Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hi, this is Lee Rank, Associate Producer for the Connected Learning Alliance. Today, we're talking with Jeff Sturgis about Connected Learning, specifically his experience with Makerspaces. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Reading off all of Jeff's accomplishments could take several minutes, so we're going to highlight a couple. Jeff's the founder and conductor of the Mount Elliott Makerspace in Detroit, and also the co-founder of the hackerspace Omnicorp Detroit. The startup of both spaces was inspired by his experiences at the MIT Fab Lab Green Fab program at the Sustainable South Bronx and the hackerspace NYC Resistor. Um, so we'll just jump right into some questions, Jeff. Um, you clearly have a passion for makerspaces. What's your favorite part about the work you do and the makerspace environment in general? Well, certainly I've enjoyed being a part of makerspaces that involve mostly adults, uh, but I would say my particular passion is makerspaces dealing mostly with youth. Uh, and with the Mount Elliott makerspace, I would say I have two favorite parts, and I would say one is the impact and just seeing how we do and or, or what we've done and how we've been doing it has impacted both youth and adults over the past three years that we've been doing it. And I think that's in terms of the things that people are doing. So that's adults actually learning new skills or adapting their existing skills into ideas that are starting new small businesses. And one example would be a, a woman who's, who's used her artistic skills to learn screen printing and actually start sewing products like potholders and printing T-shirts and doing that for sale at a, at a small scale to start. And that's really exciting. And then young people just really having a passion for learning new things and using that passion to develop interesting skills around electronics, also around screen printing, about interacting with the computer in new and different ways, learning how to build their own bikes, learning a little bit about woodworking, all sorts of things, and just doing it in this place and that just creating such an amazing energy. And also how they're sharing these things with one another and what they've learned and how they're gaining this ability to figure things out. So we've sort of set the stage for them in terms of, of showing them or introducing the idea that like, hey, the, you know, information is out there. It's either amongst us or it is somewhere on the internet. So there's no excuse for, for not being able to figure anything out anymore because the information is somewhere. It's just how do you figure it out and then how do you, you know, raise the, the courage to do something and try to figure something out that's difficult. Um, I think the other part, favorite part of it is how multidisciplinary it is. So there's just, as I mentioned earlier, this great energy by seeing multiple things going on at the same time in one space, be it woodworking or working with wearables or working with electronics or working with bikes. It's all happening there, and that's just, it's, it's a really high-impact place and a high-energy place in that regard. Awesome. And I know the makerspace has been growing over the last couple of years. So where, where do you see it or where would you like to see it, um, say, in the next five years? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think as the concept as a whole, I'd like to see makerspaces like ours in every neighborhood and every school. You know, I just think it's such, it's become such a powerful idea and such a powerful place for not only learning, but building and strengthening community relationships that I think that that can be really amazing if that's done in any neighborhood and every neighborhood that can support it. 
Uh, also, I'd love to see more maker spaces in schools. And beyond that, I'd like to see maker spaces in schools be essentially indistinguishable. I think the, the power of learning, you know, purpose-driven learning is, is amazing. And sometimes, you know, I think about, and a lot of people have been talking about the challenges that schools face right now, given the context of our world in terms of encouraging learning in a traditional way. So I think thinking of learning in a new way and the way that making and learning are really going hand in hand makes me think of how powerful makerspaces can be if schools and makerspaces are not seen as something different. Along those same lines, um, kind of giving the, an update to the classroom, there's been a lot of conversation around how education, or our education paradigm needs an update for the 21st century. Um, considering this, how do you think our education system and the way we think about learning in general must evolve in order to deal with these issues? Yeah, I think that as many people would say, we've got this, we're still doing the banking theory of education. And, you know, it's more about depositing and then withdrawing static information. And I think that we need to continue to, to focus more on dynamic and self and peer directed learning and knowledge gathering methods. You know, we should be focusing more on how to figure things out by, by learning more about the thing and kind of backing into the theory and the information because we now have a reason for doing so. Um, I also think that the more we can, we can push multi-sensory learning to accommodate for the multiple different learning styles. You know, I'm not an educator by background, but I have learned about different ways or thoughts about, uh, about learning, you know, taking off from ideas like Howard Gardner's multiple literacies and so forth. And that really applies to me even in the way that I've learned and I, or, or didn't learn very well in school. You know, the way sitting down and being talked at and then having to go read something is just not the way that I learned well. And I don't think it's the way that a lot of people learn well. So encouraging this multi-sensory learning where we're learning as much with our hands as we are with our eyes, as we are with our ears and our nose and, you know, in every sense that we have, I think is important, you know, to figure out how we can mold these institutions for learning around some of those ideas. And the other thing I think that is important is like how we can use schools or use learning environments to, to as places where we demystify the world around us. And that can be by making new things or remaking things that already exist as a way to understand them and, and a way to drive learning these deeper, deeper concepts that underlie them. Like, you know, I, I kind of like to say that rocket science actually isn't rocket science. If you start to break it up into pieces, and then you start to understand why the things are happening in a given rocket. You know, when we, when we start to do it that way, we can understand the mechanical parts of a rocket, the, the chemical parts of combustion that, makes, that drives a rocket, different sensors and things that, make a ro that help a rocket guide itself around. So when we, when we start to demystify things and we, and we take a step from the top as, as opposed to building the blocks from below, I think it might make it easier for people to find the reason and find the drive to learn some of the more conceptual ideas like math and, you know, and, and other subjects that can seem difficult and, and seem senseless at the outset, but make more sense once you start from, hey, I want to know how a rocket works. Say, I want to know how a car works. I want to know how to make t-shirts. I want to know how all these things work. And then the other part I think is important is developing survival skills. You know, how do we develop Creativity, complex problem solving, self and community reliance, courage, persistence, adaptability, leadership, collaboration, mentorship, project management, entrepreneurship, all these things that are critical to survival in any century, you know, not just the 21st century, 
how do we develop those skills in learning environments, be it school or maker spaces? And I think that's how we need to rethink about things, um, and, and I think that will lead to a greater good for everybody. How do you think today's technology, digital media, and social media um, are impacting education and learning, and what do you think are the major concerns and what could be the major possibilities? Sure. Well, I think that the positive aspect is that, you know, technology, digital media, and social media, they, they're, really, they're really pushing this, this drive for creation and connection between people. I mean, particularly when I think of social media and, and digital media, young people in the past, before we had the Internet and before we had social media, they might be interested in something, but they wouldn't be able to easily find a peer group that might also have been interested in it. So, you know, through social media and Facebook and many other learning platforms, you're able to find somebody who's also interested in something, and then you can work together to figure things out. So that's certainly very powerful. Um, and digital fabrication tools that we have nowadays, like 3D printers and laser cutters, and, you know, this is a real, these are really important because now we can, we can make things much more easily than we could before. And I think those tools also uh, give rise to the importance of when to use the technology. You know, do we, we don't always go straight to the laser cutter and the 3D printer. We might actually mold things and prototype things with our hands first before we then move to a, a tool that might actually take longer in certain instances than, you know, sketching with your hands. So I think those are definitely positive aspects. I think negative aspects, like any technology, are how we use it. Um, you know, especially for teachers and mentors, how we guide young people in their habits of use. So I think, you know, a good example is, at one point in the, at the Sustainable South Bronx Staff Lab, we did focus on the laser cutter. But the problem was, was kids would then go home and they didn't have access to the laser cutter and it felt like they couldn't make things. So I think we always need to teach handcraft alongside digital craft so that we encourage the use of both tools when appropriate. Um, and, and that just be, if you don't have access to a certain tool, that, that doesn't mean that you should feel like you don't have access to the ability to create. And with social media, I think, again, how we use these things, you know, what are we using social media for? If it's, if it's just chatting with your friends and if it's just, you know, sharing just random information all the time, I'm not sure that all of that is useful time spent. So I really think it's how we shape the use of that, that tool and what it's for and, you know, teaching people the value of offline and online collaboration. And in that respect, I think we need to utilize technology to facilitate this balance between, uh, or a better balance between physical space and virtual space interaction. And how do we use technology to strengthen community relationships? And how do we use technology to facilitate civic engagement? You know, I think we're in a time, at least in the United States, where many people are feeling like there's a lack of civic engagement and there's a lack of physical community space interaction. Um, you know, amongst neighborhoods, amongst small towns, and so forth. While our, our engagement may be increasing in virtual space, how are we also using that virtual space interaction to increase quality um, physical space interaction and making sure we're tapping into our peers and our neighbors for, you know, not only support, but, you know, I would say mutual support and uh, mutual fruitful engagement that helps us make a better world for everybody. One way we introduce connected learning to people is to say that it builds on um, those three basic R's you hear about in education, um, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, um, and by introducing a fourth R, relevance, um, as in making learning in the classroom relevant to life outside it. Why do you feel this need for relevance is so important for youth? 
Sure. It's, I think relevance is incredibly critical for learning, especially now and especially in young people, uh, because we are, I feel like, in an information you know, abundance and almost overload state where young people are getting better about filtering that information. I'd say, you know, the younger you are, the better you're getting, the better you are becoming uh, in terms of developing habits to filter information. The downside of this is I think that young people may not have the patience to keep their filters open to learning things like these under, underlying mathematics or science concepts of the world, you know, and not well beyond mathematics and science unless that they feel that there's a good reason to do so. Uh, you know, I, I think one prime example is I work with a lot of young people in, in areas of particular economic challenge where they're not really inclined to learn something and then they, unless they can straight out understand how it positively impacts their life. And a good example is the reason why we have a bike program is despite the Mount Elliott Makerspace being in the Motor City, a lot of people actually don't have access to a car. And the public transportation in Detroit actually is not that great. So we prioritized uh, developing a, a bicycle repair and maintenance program and actually an earn-a-bike program so that more young people could have access to a bike so they could get around town more easily. And that, that is one of our most popular programs because it's highly relevant to the needs of young people and the needs of older people. Um, another example is a lot of young people are asking us about solar chargers for their cell phones because their cell phones are constantly running out of electricity. So that's a great reason, you know, a great way to, to build a lesson around electronics and alternative energy and the end result of that project being something that's highly useful for youth. Uh, another example is media. So helping young people understand the tools and the methods of media creation rather than just media consumption is incredibly important given that in Detroit a lot of media stories that are being told are still fairly negative and they, they still aren't incorporating the voices of many people in Detroit. So the more that we can develop those tools, um, the better we can be about telling what some people believe is a more accurate story of what's going on. And for young people, what, you know, getting out the message that they would like to share as opposed to the messages that others are sharing because they're in positions of greater media power. So we always look for these, these experiences and these projects that are highly relevant uh, to youth and adults because that's just the way that they're going to learn things more, more quickly and more effectively. And, you know, this includes skills for making your own clothes, even skills for making music synthesizers and other music creation tools, which is highly relevant to youth. And the underlying principles of making uh, a music synthesizer is actually the very same principle that's used in electric motor controllers for electric bikes and go-karts and other things that are both fun and useful. So we try to make these, you know, multi-decker sandwiches of learning, uh, learning experiences that are highly relevant because they work better. So, you know, I don't, I don't ever start with let's learn math for the sake of learning math. It's always let's do a project and, oh, do you see how we need to learn some math in order, in order to make this thing work? And then it's, you get an aha moment from both young people and uh, older people. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, out of Connected Learning's three learning principles, um, which just to remind everyone are interest-powered, peer-supported, and academically oriented, and then also the three design principles, which are production-centered, openly networked, and shared purpose, um, which is the most exciting to you and why? Well, out of the out of the three learning principles, I would say interest-powered is the most exciting to me because that is how I learned growing up. So it's, it's highly relevant when we're talking about uh, relevancy. It's highly relevant to me 
and to how I learned. But I've also found that in some ways I feel like I'm, I'm a canary in a coal mine. You know, I, I feel like a lot of other people learn are interest-driven learners. And I think that we, do, we learn things that we're interested in much faster than things that we aren't. And I believe we're always going to do something that we're passionate about better than we're going to do anything else. So interest-powered learning definitely resonates with me and resonates with the experiences that I've had in the Mount Elliott makerspace. Of the three design principles, I would say that shared purpose is the most exciting to me because we are in an interesting situation where I think the why is becoming more and more important uh, in terms of both learning and in terms of making. You know, so why are we learning about these things? You know, what, what are we working towards? You know, why, I mean, I think usually with learning, it's like, whoa, well, so that we can get a job, so we can create the, the meaningful or happy life that we want in the future. And I think, okay, well, that's good, but why are we working, you know, beyond just survival? What, what are we doing? You know, what are we contributing to the world? So the thing about, or the idea about why we're making things is very important. You know, I, I don't want to encourage just making things for the sake of consumption, you know, just making a better toothbrush because so that we have got more toothbrushes to select from. Um, so it's, it, I think why we're making, for me at least, it's, when we think about what our future might look like is how are we creating a more sustainable future? How are we creating a more beautiful future? And, you know, just focusing on uh, tools and things that, that are designed for consumption rather than um, for sustainable use and for creating healthier and happier and more beautiful people and communities is, is a critical question. You know, so how, you know, why are we doing our thing? Why are we doing, why are we making things? Why are we working? Why are we learning? And to what future are we driving towards? So the more that we get together to answer that question, I think the more we're going to find our peer group that, that works around a shared purpose. And that's why I think shared purpose is one of the most interesting and exciting, uh, you know, I would say more of a question than a principle. So, you know, it is a principle, and I think it's, it's still an open principle. Awesome. Great examples. Thanks, Jeff. Um, we're actually coming to a, the end of our conversation, and I want to see if there's any event or project or publication of yours that's uh, coming up that you'd like to give a shout out to. And also, um, why don't you let people know how they can easily connect with you online? Sure. Well, um, I would actually say the best way to connect with me online is uh, shooting me an email. Um, I, do, I do, I'm not the greatest at Twitter, but I am on Twitter at Jeff Sturgis. And that's just one username. Uh, also, our website, which is MountElliotMakerspace.com. I would suggest rather than bothering with the spelling of Elliot, which can be spelled four different ways, if you just Google Mount Elliot Makerspace, our website will pop up. And uh, we've got a lot of resources on there for people who want to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, and also how they might start their own makerspace. And we're, we're intending to build some more tools about how to build a makerspace and and sharing my experiences in doing so so you can stand on top of those experiences uh, fairly soon, hopefully by at the end of the summer. Also, I think uh, checking out a, a maker fair. You know, right now I think there's over 100 maker fairs worldwide. I just returned from the maker fair in China, in Shenzhen, China, and that was very exciting. Uh, there's also a maker fair in the Bay Area coming up uh, out in California, which is the biggest one of all. There's a Maker Fair in Detroit this summer at the end of July, and then there's a Maker Fair in New York uh, at the end of September. So going to a Maker Fair will, will definitely help you learn more about maker learning and more about the maker movement. 
And I also recommend uh, checking out the Connected Learning website because for us it's not just about making, it's about, you know, how, why are we making and, and what learning happens in a maker space. And I think Connected Learning and the graphics that are on the Connected Learning website and the principles uh, upon which the, the idea of Connected Learning is built is, is critical to understanding why we're doing making in our context. And, and it does relate to the three the uh, learning principles and design principles that you shared. So checking out the Connected Learning website is helpful in that regard to understand. Oh, thank you. Um, we're so excited you chatted with us today. Um, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Sure, it was a pleasure. Thanks a lot for asking me to, to speak with you about it. Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at CLAlliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.